From the weird to the insane. Boy, you. Drivers. Deluxe. Drivers. Boy, you. It's alright. Drivers. Boy, you. Boy, you. Deluxe. Drivers. Boy, you. Parental discretion is advised. Hello, it's Q. <laughs> yes, it's that time of the week again. It's the Bradders and Deluxe podcast. This week we have a hardcore producer. His name is Spyro. Yes, not the dragon, the actual human being. I've done some research and I've noticed that he's had several releases on Jerry Riot's label. Yes, Lethal Theory. He's also had a number of releases on DistroKid and I believe he likes to self-release. The records, that is. So this week we are so proud to present a man of great stature and pink hair from time to time. Yes, it's Spyro. As always, thanks to Q for the intro there, and yes indeed, this is the uh, Deluxe and Radders podcast, and this week we've got the modern day legend, Spyro. How do you do, Spyro? Good to have you on. Good to be here, good to be here. How we doing? How we doing? Cosmic. Yeah, well, all good, man. Well, good, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, welcome to, a, a Q called it the Bradders and Deluxe podcast. I mean, hey what's up. going on there? Well, he's learning. <laughs> Who's the trusty sidekick now? Is it normally Indian. the Ducks and Bradders podcast? It, we it argue normally, every single we, week. Every single week, yeah, we argue. But um, as we traditionally do, um, today's show is sponsored by um, Dragon Soup for me, you know, and uh, which is a bit crazy. What have you got, Paul? I'm sponsored by uh, a glass boot half filled with Stella. Okay, cool. And Spyro, you're drinking out of a Spyro mug there. What's uh, what's in that, mate? Um, I am drinking out of a Spyro mug. Unfortunately, I didn't actually have any alcohol in my house, so I'm drinking uh, a very, very crazy spiced ginger tea today. Oh, so. right. Cool, man. Cool. Nothing wrong with it. That's what I take That's to bed the... when I'm having a read, isn't it? What, spiced, spiced ginger Sometimes tea? Sometimes spiced ginger tea. Usually Lapsang Souchong, but something a bit different to your regular tetlies. <laughs> is it? Is it? Is, does the ginger come from your hair? I'm not ginger, for fuck's sake. There's a slight hint of orange in the beard area, but that's about it. Okay, well, there it you go. your camera, Paul, but to, I'm not going to lie, bro. It looks kind of ginger to me. It's, it's the orange light. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, but I'm, I've got to be honest. I've got to be honest. No, it's cool, man. It's cool. So, yeah, we've got the uh, the amazing Spyro on the show, man. So, first of all, thanks for coming on, mate. Appreciate hey, it. Very, very glad to be here. It's slightly apprehensive, but um, I think we'll see but, how see how we, it goes. We get that from a lot of our guests, don't we, Paul? Like that's <laughs> that's yeah, not, you know, ten minutes into it, like, you know, it's all right, laugh this. No yeah. to be scared of. Yeah, well, no, to, no. Be, to be fair, after hanging around with both of you at Bang Face, I'm all the more apprehensive. So, you know, <laughs> if this was a bad idea, then I guess I've only got myself to blame, really. Well, well we won't know. stay up till five in the morning this time talking bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and asking me difficult questions like, if you were to throw someone out of Ush, who would it be? You know, that, that sort of thing, you know. Um, which I did get very passionate about my answer, which is not going to be broadcast here. Although they have featured in previous podcasts. But there you go. Um, so, Spyro, um, how's lockdown been for you, mate? 
bro, to be honest, I've kind of enjoyed it, really. Um, I mean, I guess for me, it's maybe a little bit more, like, it's not that different to my normal life. You know, my life is sat here in the studio um, mostly. So I've kind of yeah. just been doing what I always do, really. Um, and to be honest, it's been, it's been kind of popping for business. Like, I've had a lot of studio clients coming through. Um Obviously, I've you know I've done a sample pack over the summer, um, yeah. and it's been kind of nice just to like just solidly focus in here and just just do music. Really, you feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, it's been good for me. I mean, I work part time uh, in mental health, but um, you know, for me, the, the days that I have off, it's just been super productive. And and Paul is a house husband, as we established. Yep. Last uh, in the last podcast, and you know, Paul is Paul is like literally shitting him out. So you know, it's uh, it's been, it's been, <laughs> it's been good. You know, and um, what I want to talk to you about tonight is about you know things like um, your Spyro Dub series. Um, I want to talk about the sample pack as well because um, I've picked that sample pack up. Had a quick. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I picked it up maybe a couple of hours ago, um, and I because it Black Friday, isn't it? You know, and I know you've got this is going to go out after the Black Friday sales, but um, for the money that you're charging, even at full price, I think uh, having a quick flick through it, it's definitely. You know, you're a man of substance. You you talk confidently. Um, you know, and you basically have this sample pack which you're throwing all your weight behind and to be fair mate it's uh, it's well founded in, in my opinion thank you thank you bro I'm glad I'm glad you think that I mean I did spend quite a long time over the summer getting it all together the thing is it it started off being quite a it was supposed to be a small project you know a few bases a few kicks a few yeah. bits of things here and there um, and I just kept adding and adding to it and it sort of grew into this big thing you know um, and it it took a, maybe a little bit longer than I wanted you to get it out but I'm really pleased that it actually took um, a bit of time because I'm, I'm really really proud of the product and um, yeah you know it's i feel it's quite comprehensive you know there's a lot of stuff in there everything from the essentials you know kicks and bases um but then you know one time me and me and alex alex prospect we just sat down and did some vocals for it as well um you know I did, did the, the vocals yourself yeah all the vocals are myself and alex uh, just, I was I was going to ask that very same question as well because I you know again I had a quick click through because you know while I'm preparing for the show I do various stuff you know when I'm doing all the the admin side of stuff and collating all the questions I put some music on in the background and yeah. I was literally flicking through the vocal stuff and I thought that the one way you said uh, I think it's something like wait well, it ends with the word bitch I kind of knew that was you because yeah, yeah. it's like you know because <laughs> like yeah what the fuck's good bitch you know and it's all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, it gave it away. It gave it away. <laughs> but it's good. It's good to to hear original samples and original, you know, like, like you. And there's some heavy processing on those those vocals. But do you know what? Um, if I didn't know you, I wouldn't have known it was you. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I'm, I'm glad you think that. I mean, when we tried to do them, we were literally just fucking around and having a laugh. You know, um, yeah. quite a few of them are sort of. The same sort of things you've heard before, you know, the typical like EDM, three, two, one, jump, whatever. But then a lot of them are kind of like sort of old school type, ravey type vocals as well. Um, yeah, so we, here we, we go again. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. <laughs> we were literally just sat around just like recreating some of the shit we've heard before and just doing it our own way and just... I'll, I'll take your brain... 
I was uh, quite disappointed I didn't hear the I'll take your brain to another dimension thing there. You know, but... yeah, well, that's may- maybe who knows, who knows, maybe volume two. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> and you feel me. <laughs> yeah. so where, can we, where can we buy the sample pack from then? So at the moment, and selling it on Shopley. So it's www.shopley.com slash yesfire. Basically, just go to any of my social medias and you'll see the link absolutely everywhere. Um, that's yeah. the best way to get hold of it. So yeah, just just go to any of my social media, click the link, and you'll find uh, the pack. See, okay. I, I normally get my stuff from Soulseek, but you know, um, I decided not to on this occasion because do you know what you know uh, you're coming on you're a good guy you know we, we we hooked up at bang face this year um before we all went into lockdown i really enjoyed the couple of hours i had with you you know um you know you came across as intelligent i'll be honest i felt a little bit embarrassed about asking what your name was twice <laughs> bro, i honestly get that the whole time bro people do not believe that so, 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 for, for the people that don't know, my actual given birth government name is Spyro, but it's spelled S-P-I-R-O. Um, yeah. So, my, my artist name is Spyro, but just with an I, change your Y, purely because it looks better when, when written down. So, um, yeah. but so many people don't believe this, and my whole life is constantly, yo, what's your name? I'm like, yo, it's Spyro, and everyone's like, no what's your actual name it's like bro it's Spyro they're like no 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 your actual actual name I'm like bro it's Spyro wouldn't it so, be easier to just change your actual name to something like Colin or bro, it'd be so much easier I'm, <laughs> do you know what do you know what That's, that that would make my life so much easier I kind of emphasise that but, but then it, it opens up all the questions like well why do you call yourself Spyro then you know if your name's Colin why not put Colin with a Y <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure. I mean, this, this, this is, <laughs> this is, this is the other thing that so many people think it's because of the game called Spyro. And the thing is, I've never been into games. I've never owned a games console. I've certainly yeah. never even played Spyro the Dragon. And to be honest, I'm only really aware of the game because so many people say, "Oh, you must be named after that game." Um, yeah. But, it's literally my my birth name and yeah, that game came out in about 1997 or 98 or something didn't it so yes well, you were you weren't born then were you sorry you weren't born then were you yeah I, I was born then <laughs> wow i mean <laughs> you, you know you, you've either had a really nice life because you're looking really fresh-faced and really like young or i'm just an old cunt do you know what i mean it's one of the two <laughs> <laughs> Um, my my age remains a, a firm seat, um, Fair. A firm secret, um, but yeah, I, I just look after myself very well. Yeah, good man, good man. Looking <laughs> <laughs> like fifty three, something like that. Ooh, don't tell him; everyone's gonna know. That. <laughs> So we, we, you've obviously seen there's various chat groups on the internet where, you know, and private groups or whatever, where people have been submitting some questions for us to ask you. Certain internet groups. Yeah, yeah. But, I've, um, but we've had also some questions from the, you know, not from those people and from some relatively big producers in the scene. Okay. You know, so um, I, I don't know. Do you? Do, what should we do? Should we? Let's. In fact, look, before we get into the questions, mm-hmm. let's talk about the Spyro Dub series. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you've gone. You've done three volumes now. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah, and they're all digital releases. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, so what they are is obviously they're your take on some classics, some modern day classics. Uh, yeah, some, yeah. Sorry, some old school classics. Mm-hmm. Um. So what was the inspiration behind doing that kind of thing? 
Um, I think, to be honest, the main reason I did them was because I'm a big fan of a lot of different kinds of, of music. I love new EDM and some yeah. really cutting edge stuff. But then I'm also a massive, massive fan of old school and also even like the, the mid 2000s kind of hardcore all the way back to the really really early 90s sort of 91 92 breakbeat stuff and everything in between so the spyro dub series was um it was a way of like reconnecting with like the history of this music because the, the thing is that you know this music which we're involved in is one of the oldest most ancient kinds of dance music that exists you know a lot of styles are much newer than this yeah. and especially with you know my fans who are quite often maybe into the newer sound and the sort of more edm type sounds you know i love that stuff like that's a big part of my sound and, and who i am as an artist but an equally big part is the roots of this music um and i really you know like to remind people and make people aware of the deep deep roots that this music has it's a culture it's not just like a, a music genre that's been around for five or six years like it's a deep deep culture that goes back yeah. like a long time you know and i feel it's important to remember that and honor that in in the culture and the music that i make you feel me yeah, well, they yeah, did I do, yeah. always say hardcore will never die didn't they back then mm. and it might be a bit of a cliche but this is one way of making sure it doesn't for sure, for sure. You know, I, th I think one of the things that I really love about the really early breakbeat stuff, you know, stuff that's made in the early 90s, is that that music, even then, had like at least two or three decades worth of culture in the music at that point. You know, breakbeats and samples would be sampled from hip hop tracks in the 80s, and they were sampled from funk tracks from the 70s and, and the 60s. So yeah. already by the early 90s, you've got two or three decades worth of deep, deep culture. You know, the yeah. different sampling, the vinyl, like the old AK samplers, that shit was, that was sampled on. You know, you're hearing that in the music when, when you're hearing that, you know. So here we are 30 years on from that point. And, you know, I like to keep that, that lineage, that, that history, that culture in the music going. That's really, really important to me. So that yeah. was kind of where the Spyro dubs came from. Just as a reminder, you know, this music runs deep, you feel me? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a really good point. I mean, a lot of the breakbeats I use are from the original sources because, you know, I'm heavily into the breakbeat stuff. You know, I don't tend to do a lot of kick drum stuff, but... You know the breakbeat stuff for me is is where it is where the groove comes from. You know, um, cool. and you know with with the uh, I've got some. There's a thing I use called a declassified breaks pack, right? Which has got all the original kind of 60s and 70s funk disco kind of breaks in there. Yeah. Um, and and you literally just pull them into you know by the studio techniques that we all kind of do that where you pull them into the sort of the modern day sort of sound. Um, and for me. You would, I mean, the aim and drum was like six, not in the 60s, you know, yeah, we, 69, I think it was. Basically. Yeah, yeah, and we, we, we wouldn't have a scene if it wasn't for that beat, you know, James Brown, you know, uh, Think Break or Funky Drummer, whatever, yeah, yeah, you know, that, that sort of thing. I, I, and I think you're absolutely spot on that the, the music that we listen to now has evolved over the last 30 years, let's be fair. Yeah, you know, yeah. but what it also has done is it is almost gone full circle and that's kind of what i get from the spyro dubs you know you're taking the modern the modern twist on the old classics you know and i really like them i think they've got full that they're full of energy you know they're recognizable they work well on the dance floor you know so fair play man 
Yeah, yeah. For, thank you, man. Thank you, bro. I mean, that's the whole point of them as well, is to, you know, make something that's going to fit in with a modern set. But they all work really super well on the dance floor next to the really new sounding stuff, you know, but it still just just reminds you that this, bro, this music's deep. You feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was listening to the Just a Feeling uh, dub that you did, and I was like, you know, because that that tune is for me back in the day when it was out and original. It was a, it was a massive tune, but I, you don't hear it played out in lots of old school sets these days, you know. And I think that's a good thing, you know, that you don't hear all the the classics. You you just hear all the anthems. But when I, I was playing that to try and put your intro together, I'm thinking this is like proper. I'm bouncing about in my chair while I'm like in the studio. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah, it's, for sure, for sure. It, it, it's, they're really well produced, you know. So kudos for that. Um, thank, thank you. I mean, the, the thing with the production is that you know I think the sound of now is very much super clean, super maximal, crisp as fuck digital sound. Yeah. You know? And that's the sound of, of 2020. And, and I I like to embody that sound as much as I can. And you know. I feel that this sound represents this era just in the same way that the crunchy, like, 8-bit, you know, like, Atari-sounding samples really represented the, the early 90s, you know? And yeah. So I, I like I like music what sounds like it's got a certain sound of a certain era. Like, a lot of people go on about timeless music, but to be honest, like, I'm, I've never really cared to for music that aspires to be timeless and, you know, never really, certainly never aspired for my own music to be timeless i want my music to sound like the time it was made in and yeah in another five years i want my music to sound like that time but i don't want to be following i want to be creating that sound you know so like of course yeah i try to be extra clean extra digital extra loud you know but a big part of that is i really appreciate music that sounds like the time you know If, if i go back to the early 90s and i want stuff that's lo-fi crunchy dirty muddy as fuck because that, mm. that gives such a flavor of, of that time you, you feel me yeah yeah definitely definitely paul do you want to say something you've got your mic to your mouth i've always got it next to my mouth just in case i do want to <laughs> jump in and say something but no all oh, right okay that's just your weekend <laughs> uh, pose is it <laughs> <laughs> No, no, but cool. But the uh, the the the, the Spyro Dubs uh, series, um, I'm looking forward to the next uh, the next one, Volume Four. Are you working on Volume Four right now, or is it on hold for a minute? No, no. Um, I want to do one soon. I think the next one um, will be maybe more like original tracks, but in the style of the ones which I've already done. You feel me? So they'll yeah, yeah, be yeah. original, but. They, they, they will sound like bootlegs of stuff that was from the early 90s or, or the, the mid 90s or whenever but yeah there wasn't actually no original oh uh, okay yeah cool you know what i'm saying um i'm not, I'm not sure that i have to see how it goes maybe i just do maybe i should continue in in, in the same vein as i've yeah. done but, um i think maybe that's kind of the idea um the, the thing that struck me about the tracks um, was that, you know, being a producer, you can hear stuff, right? Yeah. Um, whereas a raver on a big system, you do get a bit of sound bleed and all that sort of stuff. So you can get away with, like, less tight sounding tracks on a big system, right? Yeah. However, listening to your tunes in my studio, 
the old school stuff it wasn't for me what the surprising thing was is it wasn't a lot of them well maybe all of them weren't sampled you've actually rewritten all the the riffs and you've used the authentic sounds and things like that you know so for me because you can hear the individual sample hits on the notes yeah rather than just taking the loop from the original and cleaning it up you know you've yeah. actually put the effort in and, and reproduced you know you've replayed a lot of the classic riffs yeah that's completely how they were made so there was so much more than just literally taking a section of the old track and just putting you know just smashing it into the track you know um all the riffs are replayed um all all the stabs i remade using serum so i may have used the original stab or you know found the stab in one of my many stab banks of old school rave sounds um but you know i've I've added layers to them and made them sound super modern um mostly in serum so the whole point of that was to get the sounds but update them and make them sound like modern sounds but with the the same flavor as as the original you know and it was the same for examples i never just took a a big chunk out of the track you know I, it, it was very much a, a educational kind of experience making them because i'd go i'd research i'd find where the vocal samples and and you know the original tracks and the acapellas which they were sampled from and i'd go into them and then you know even just like seeing the, the amount they sped it up or the way they cut up the vocals or whatever was an interesting experience in itself you know so i really felt like i was you know exploring the dna of this older older music and you really kind of get into the mindset of the creative process which the original artist would have had while making these tracks and it's really quite fascinating because you really when you do this the thing you realize is that how inventive and clever these original producers were um there was another track which um i haven't released it because it wasn't really mine to release so you know noise factory to fire um, oh yeah yeah Party have you done a version of that as well no 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 so i haven't actually done my own version of it um what i did just one day i think maybe last year i literally um i have i was just thinking one day like right i've got all the samples for this so i literally remade it like sample for sample and it's literally mm. such a, a limited amount of samples i think it's the amen break um it's like the you know the your t99 anastasia classic choir sab yeah it's like the stevie winwood or stevie so Stevie Nicks the fire sample and just yeah. like a sub bass and maybe a hi-hat and that's pretty much it yeah. um oh under the lesser holloway acapella as well and that's pretty much it and i just remade it but in remaking that i was like bro these people are so clever like and so musical with the way that they yeah. cut the samples up and use such a limited amount of ingredients to make such amazing music you know I mean, a lot of it is now easy to do on the on the computer, isn't it? You know, you, you've got things which you can cut up easy. You can see the waveforms on the screen. It's dead easy to just sort of cut and paste. But when I did, a, I recently did like a, an old kind of Ibiza sort of sounding track. Yeah, yeah. Which, which was... Um, which was inspired by Noise Factory. So what I did is I listened to some old Noise Factory stuff and I, and I heard you know, the arrangement of that tune that I did, which I, I sent you a few weeks ago, the arrangement yeah. of that tune I did was literally the same arrangement, but it was really interesting. This is what flicks my switch is like, I, I like to understand how it's done, not what it sounds like, but how it's done. Because I know I can get stuff sounding right, but uh-huh. it's about how they produced it back in the day. And, you know, I, I would consider myself like a bit of a student of the game. And yeah, I, would you would you consider yourself the same? Yeah, very, very much so. I think one of the things that really interests me is that certain ways of working force you to work in 
different ways and you get a different result, you know? Like, I use Ableton, which lends itself to a, a certain way of working, you know? But yeah. when I've sat down on other types of music production software, you work in a different way. Now, what I would love to do is sit down with an old fucking um, Amiga or Atari and an old S950 or something and literally have a go at making music on, you know, like the 1991 version of Cubase or using one of the old trackers because I'm sure I'd get a completely different result from that, you know? And I think it's yeah. really interesting how certain ways of working can really lead to different different results, you know? And I think that was one of the big things that I realised when I was remaking that Noise Factory track. I was like, yo, like, it really made me think in a different way because if I had sat down with those ingredients in Ableton, I wouldn't have come up with that because I, I think a different way when I'm working at Ableton, you know? Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was an interesting thing, man. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. So, I mean, obviously you know about Pete Cannon. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, and the, and the way that Pete works, you know, some tunes he does like literally on just all software, other tunes he does on hardware, different doors, you know, re-noise trackers, um, you know, like Cubase 4 and 3 on an old Amiga and stuff like that. You know, yeah. and he, he does get that authentic crunch kind of sound. But yeah, what sure. Pete's, which I feel is really good at, he also makes, he doesn't lose the, the feeling of that, but he also makes it very clean as yeah. well, you um. know. So, as, so you're talking about sort of doing something similar to like what Pete's doing, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I'd love to get my hands on that sort of equipment at some point. I mean, fuck knows how much they go for on eBay or something now. I mean, you know, I'm not <laughs> into going and spend a thousand pounds on some ancient equipment, but if I ever yeah. did get the chance one day, then I'd, definitely I'd be super keen in trying to make some music in, in that way, man. I'm, I'm sure I will one day, you feel me? Yeah, yeah, let's see if I can uh, pull a few strings and get a Spyro P. Cannon collaboration. That would just be nuts, I reckon. Yeah, for sure. sure. <laughs> Someone posted the other day um, an emulator, not an emulator, like a, what do you call it, a remake of one of the old trackers. I downloaded it, I was just trying to find it then. Renoise. Uh, I don't think it's Renoise. It's something tracker, I think it's called. Can't think what, something tracker. Anyway, I opened it, it, it looks the same. You know, where you've got all the um, the numbers and letters flying up and down the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've no idea how to use it. I, I did watch a, a bit of a video, but I'm going to learn how to use it. Yeah, for um, sure, sure. I don't have any that actual equipment, keyboards or anything, but just to learn how to use one of those old trackers, I think it'd just be a bit fun doing that, well, pe that old people way. Like, people like Stu Chapman um, and Boyks, they still use Renoise. And DJ Nee, you know, from the old hardcore break sort of stuff, he still uses Renoise. Because um, obviously, you know, I mean, I talk to those guys, they're down in Australia now, but I talk to those guys quite a lot, you know, because of history and friendship and all that. But they, those guys are like still using the old ways of sequencing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Bitwig user, you know, uh, yeah, Ham, yeah. DJ Ham basically said to me, use Bitwig when I was looking for a new DAW or door yeah. or whatever. Um, and I downloaded the demo and it just totally changed the way I was working. So I, I totally get what you're saying about the workflow and how music almost lends itself to how it's produced rather than, you know, the actual arrangement, you know, because you can do so much more with a modern door. Yeah, yeah. But you, that you don't have so many rules. Um, sorry, you, you have you have more rules with a, with a like an older kind of um, sequencer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it limits what you can do. You know, you can't just go, oh, do you know what? I'll stick a reverb on that and do that. You have to put it through that processing unit. And it's... Bro, know, sure, man. I mean, I was watching, um, you, you know, Busy B. I, I don't yeah, know yeah. his YouTube channel at all, but 
he's he's got a dope YouTube channel where he's often going through old early '90s production, the hardware and old techniques, and you know how to um, use various old samples and stuff. But I was watching one video the other day, and he was showing how to time stretch on one of the early AK samplers, and I was like, bro, like, <laughs> like, I was like, I didn't know it was that complicated. I thought it. You know, I thought it would be a bit complicated. You know, yeah. back in the day, I used to have an old, um, an old Roland, no, an old Boss drum machine. You know, I used to have a screen about a tiny little screen with two little lines of LED yeah. text on it, and you know, you would process that by writing the drums in on that. And there was a million different menus and things, and that was quite time consuming. So I, you know, I sort of assumed it would be something like that, bro. But this shit was so complicated. I was like, yeah. yeah. Got respect for these people going through that just yeah. to like time stretch one sound, you know. We now drag it to Ableton, drag it out, and you're done. Like, it's done, yeah. I mean, first time I did it, I remember I had to take the sample and cut a little tiny snippet and then paste the sample again, yeah, and then cut a little tiny more snippet. And it took fucking ages, yeah, yeah. just to make are oh, you ready sound like are you ready, like a sheep, if you will. <laughs> but now we've got this. Akai is however you say it, and you just put it in, change it to two hundred percent, and it's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, the first time I was stretching, I was on a, um, I was with, in the Fat Controllers studio, right back yeah. in 94, 95. Um, and um, he had an old, was it a Roland DJ seventy keyboard? Um, right so and that that asked you for a percentage of stretch so when you wanted to stretch something so what you had to do is you had to sit there you had to work out the original speed tempo of the sample you had to take your sample uh, sorry your speed in your arrangement and then what you had to do was um, you had to do some maths on the calculator to work out the percentage of increase In, in what so if it was you know if it was like a 50% stretch it'd get half as quick it was like a yeah, but it was yeah. like so much super, like 86.7% because the speed differential was so fucking it yeah, was so strange yeah. but you're right you know back in the day it was a lot I think it was a lot tougher to produce music now I mean now I mean I don't know about you uh, Spyro but I can fucking I can bang a, a remix out in four hours you know, because I've got all the samples and I've got all the fucking original sort of lines and stuff, and all I do is put my own spin on it. And um, you know, original tracks seven hours if it if it goes well. You know, and, and I think that's because of the actual software and the facilities we've got as producers today, rather than 20, 30 years ago. You know? Yeah, man. I mean, I think you know. I think sample-based music is definitely, definitely vastly quicker these days. You know, you drag your sample straight onto Ableton or whatever software you're using. Um, I mean, you know, what I do think is when it comes to certain kinds of music, um, the production level is now so high that, you know, especially things like modern sounding UK hard, you know, like a Darren, like a current Darren Styles type track or. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're making yeah. hard style, for example, making the kick alone can take days, you know, and you know, these days, as as you probably know from the sample pack, that I spend a good deal of time making, you know, I make my own kicks, I make a lot of my own effects, I make a lot yeah. of my own snares, and you know, I mean, when you hear one of my tracks, like the, the majority of the sounds that you're hearing, I've I've created, you know, on, on Serum or you know, I've yeah. maybe used Kick Two for the kicks and. Um, so I, I do find that um, these days, um, 
if you're making certain kinds of music. I do particularly find this with hard dance. Um, I don't know if that's just because I'm, I'm closer to it and therefore I spend more time in it. Um, yeah. But when, when I've tried my hand at other things, when I've done house or, you know, various other things, even drum and bass, I've found it a lot quicker to make. But when it comes to making like a modern sounding hard dance record, um, I find that can be quite time consuming. Um, yeah. Because, you know, the production level is so high. I mean, consider people like Darren Styles and, you know, those kind of guys who've been, literally been in the game for 30 years. Like, you know, I've been doing it a much shorter time than he has, for example. So, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm always trying to compete with that level of production, you know. Um, and I, I do think hard dance, I think partly because it, it's hard and it's fast and it's very maximal music, you know. Drum and bass is fast, but it's a lot more minimal, you know. Um, yeah. But modern hard dance is so fast, it needs to be hard. Um, but because it's so maximal... And because of the speed, there's very little space in the music. So I find that can take a longer time, you know. I export a track, I come back to it, I make tweaks, I'll, you know, listen to it over some time. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, yeah, I do, yeah, yeah, totally. I definitely feel like it's more accessible, though, you know. I mean, you know, reading, like, Lunacy's book, um, yeah. you know, is the amount of people that actually had fucking studio equipment... Um, was few and far between. You know, think of um, Nick Arnold, like in in at the start, yeah. he wasn't even making rave music. He was just a guy that had a studio, you know. And the reason that they formed Smarties was because, you know, Lunacy had the samples. Um, the other guy, I forget his name, was like the guy trying to drive it, and you Tom. know, yeah, yeah Tom. and um, and Nick Arnold had the studio, but he was trying to make pop music, you know. Now you can back then there was no just. Logging on to fucking Pirate Bay and downloading Cracked Ableton. On, do it on, on your phone now, up. quite literally. Yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. So you know Nick Arnold did the original piano for Piano Progression, right? Uh, no, 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 I didn't. I see on their label always had featuring Mad Mind Jocks, but I never really knew who that was. Yeah, that was Nick. That was Nick oh, I never even knew that. Did you not? No. Oh. See, you know, Night Force trivia, mate. You don't want anybody else. I'm pointing at myself here for those that, that are not seeing I the video. I wish but... you never told me that as well. Really? But for, when Chris redid Piano Progression, he um, he did replay it, so fair play. You know? Oh, yeah, well, that's all right. You know, I um, sitting there playing the piano, and that's how I, how I always imagined it. Because um, Nick was part of the whole kind of shooting star, the bang thing, wasn't he, as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so cool. Um, right, so before we move on to the next bit, which is going to be the questions, Spyro, so you, I'm glad you're sitting down. Um, <laughs> let's... let's um, Let's play a tune. What do you want to play? What do you want people to hear? What do you think? Could be one of yours. Could be anything. What 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 are you saying? Um, let's play one of my Spyro dubs. Um, let's play just a feeling dub because you spoke about it earlier. I'm super proud of that tune. Yeah, let's play that one. Cool man. And so this is uh, Spyro uh, doing a dub version of Just a Feeling. <laughs>
so that was uh, just feeling uh, dubbed by Spyro um, banging absolute tune so uh, we love that sort of stuff we love to hear that stuff out in the in the race because it's like it just creates the party doesn't it you know it's just it's just recognizable it's happy stuff it's got loads of energy you know and I think that's you know why why it, why it does alright you know that sort of stuff for real how, how, how are you finding like digital um as a release medium because we we have this conversation a lot off air i mean paul about what did you know whether digital or vinyl or anything like that have you thought about going into vinyl i mean honestly honestly as you can probably see here uh, spotted, i spent yeah. a lot of my younger years buying and collecting vinyl um and it's always been a lifelong dream of mine to have a release on vinyl um the reason that i haven't done it for any of my own music is because I'm not really sure that there's necessarily a market for the kind of stuff that I do on vinyl. You know, like a lot of the people that listen to my music tend to be younger and they're just used to consuming music in a, a digital format. Um, I think maybe if I did some old school style stuff, um, which I would love to do as soon as I get a fucking moment to do something that's just kind of a bit more for fun, you know, um, I'd definitely maybe consider releasing that on vinyl. Um, you know I mean the the thing is what I do think is great about vinyl was that it really enabled underground music artists back in the day to make a career and a living out of their music you know like you know how much was the vinyl about six quid or so two quid would go to the shop two quid would go to the label and two quid would go to you you know but we're able to make careers off this you know and it would able to you to have enough of an income to pay your bills and your rent and keep making music you know um, yeah. I, I, you still can do that but you have to be innovative with with the ways in which you make money which is obviously why i've gone into doing sample packs and you know this is just the first i've, I've got a lot more different projects in terms of resources for producers that i'm gonna um be putting out in the coming months um yeah. but i do think it's a bit of a shame that you can't make as much money as what you used to. I do think using Bandcamp is a bit like the equivalent of, you know, pressing up 500 white labels and getting in your van and going them, you know, dropping around all the record stores and stuff. Because, I mean, for each of the Spyro Dubs EPs, um, they did fairly well in terms of sales, you know, and I, I think maybe you see more of a return um, from selling your music via EP form on Bandcamp as opposed yeah, to... Yeah you know just selling it in like people or whatever and certainly more than you're doing streaming do you, uh, do you not feel that the the video of you pretending to be homeless was a, a big factor in the sales in uh, Spyro dubs three uh, i think it definitely helped i mean i think these days it's really important to be super visible and have a brand and do stuff outside of the music um that is really entertaining and really engages people because the thing is these days there's so much competition for people's attention you know when we scroll down our feed not only are you seeing updates from all of your favorite artists and the producers you follow you're seeing you know people you've met once in your family posting conspiracy theory memes and you know you see (laughs) cat memes and you see whatever videos people are sharing that week from tiktok or whatever so there's such a um 
a huge amount of information coming to people that you really have to be like distinctive and also relentless with the amount of content you put out there you know and I think these days if you want to be a modern artist and have um, a career in, in the music industry you need to be putting out content that isn't just your music stuff because it gets boring every time you know you see someone just shouting buy my new release when you release that go check this shit if that's all you ever heard from your artist it's very yeah. very boring for people you know so I think these days you have to be putting out content that's interesting that's funny that's engaging and a lot of it as well you know and it's, it's difficult bro you know this this week I've been solidly in the studio for the first time making my own music that isn't clients music or um, you know like sample pack related content and stuff you know um, yeah. this is the first time I've spent this much time in the studio for a long time you know before that I've been doing you know promoting the sample pack and making content making videos you know doing all this kind of stuff and it's difficult man you, you got yeah, yeah. so many things these days you know yeah i mean paul and i have just literally just launched our own record labels you know paul's got his second sure. drop recordings i've got mine lazarus you know and it, it is it's it's a real worry because you don't really know how much um exposure you're getting you know you go on the social media platforms and you put your you know your clips up or, or whatever and you get you, you can count your soundcloud plays and you can count you know your your mixed cloud plays or whatever but you never really know how that's going to translate into sales you know yeah, yeah. um so you, you've got to do things different you know this is part of the reason why i think we're doing the podcast is just to give everybody a bit more exposure yes. and it's another it's, a, it's another medium for us to sort of get involved with people just to say hi to you know friends that we've met you know fleetingly or we've spent some time with or old friends you know yeah, yeah. um where all people that have got a product and that we actually paul and i believe in you know like someone putting a sample pack out for example i mean yeah. i said to paul i said should we get spyro on because you know he's just released a sample pack and we could talk about that yes that's that's a really cool thing and when we met him he was like proper safe do you know what i'm saying so you know yeah. for me for me it's like um it's not about us self-promoting it's about us self-promoting and promoting others as well yeah yeah for sure for sure and i think these days people really expect to get to know the people who are making the music they're listening to you feel me yeah. so yeah. it's not enough just to be i mean don't get me wrong really as much as i have grown to enjoy the branding side and doing silly videos like pretending to be homeless or you know <laughs> do whatever the fuck it is really i would just like to be in my studio 24 7 making music and just making music that's yeah, yeah. what i would really really like to be doing but you know it's either i can't be salty about the fact that those days are no longer here i have to be honest about it and say right do you want to career and make your living from music or do you want to do music as a hobby and get a job somewhere else you, you know what i'm saying so yeah, i didn't yeah. social media side of it and you know i guess it does kind of fit my natural personality which you know i do yeah, appreciate yeah. that for some people maybe it's a bit more difficult you know what i'm saying yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. you know i feel like i'd much rather you know do this social media game um rather than go and get a job in you know, fucking the warehouse with me <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> or um, be a house husband like paul that's kind of hectic paul hey eh? Yeah, it's yeah. non-stop in this room in particular yeah, yeah, yeah i can see look you're, you're just so fucking relaxed it's unbelievable <laughs> well i've done everything i need to do today oh have you so uh let's let's get into some questions then 
Um, you've, you've probably seen a lot of them, but we'll 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 go through them in due course. Okay. Um, but I've got an audio one here, which is from um, our good friend T Bors Vyers. Okay. Hi guys, how are you doing? I have a question for Spyro. Uh, yeah, you're pretty progressive in the music you make. You uh, kind of have like your own style. You don't follow a particular style. I was really wondering what your like musical background is, and yeah, actually just that. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good one. So to be honest, my musical background is very much old school rave music. You know, like um, I've been listening to old school Brady Hardcore and Happy Hardcore since pretty much as long as I was into you know I stopped listening to ABBA when I was like 10 years old and basically found out about dance music you know um, I mean I was really into trance and hard house first but I think I mean I guess there's maybe hard hard house influence in some would, of the would, kind of dance would you do stuff. some hard house stuff again uh, to be honest with you I, I really do view hard house as like dead I, I do like the music but I don't really see much of the scene like existing so i mean who knows i may do a trap for fun one day i'll never say never but well we're, we're releasing some hard house stuff uh, oh, just yeah, okay. exactly the same for the <laughs> maybe, same maybe. reason sorry Does, we don't see like much of a scene do we uh, i mean I, there might be a massive booming scene i don't bloody know anything about it but we all made uh hard house ep just for a bit of fun yeah yeah so, for sure. and uh, I mean, if there is no honest, scene maybe we can re-kickstart it um, and lead it and lead the way yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, quite often you find there's like a 20-year like um, recycling of culture, you know? You quite often see every 20 years something comes back around. So in that case, you could well be due a hard house revival. I mean, it may well be up to you guys to restart it. The thing is, I, I was always a big, big fan of hard house. And, you know, that was the first music I was buying on vinyl alongside trance when, you know, I was like nine or ten years old. And sort of the, the, the What year was that in? <laughs> mm. um, about 2000. Ooh. Oh. The ages are very closely kept secret. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on. But yeah, so um, uh, Deck Hussey uh, from Sunny and Deck Hussey, um, myself, Paul, and one of my artists, Simon Holmes, we've all put together some hard house tunes and we're releasing it on a new label. Um, That's near... cool. Say again? I said, for sure, I'll be keen to hear that, for sure. So, uh, let's move on to the next question. Um, Paul, do you want to do one? Have you got any text? I've not got them to hand, actually. I sent everything to you. I'd have to... Okay, cool. No, I've got, it, I've got it open on the screen. Uh, but So, let's do another audio one. Oh, Spyro, what the fuck's good, fam? Um, it's your boy, Arps here. Um, I was going to ask for a 10-minute monologue about ruinous Tory policies targeting the poor and minority groups, but um, I don't think they're going to let me get away with that. So instead, my question is, what do you think the most iconic noise or patch is in uh, rave music? There you go. That's a really good question. You know, Ooh, so, That's I'll, a very, very good question. And I'm going to have to take just a minute to think about this because there's quite a cool. few different ones that it could be um what's what's your favorite i mean let's 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 get forward to the iconic one but what do, what do you go to I, I know you lose a lot of screeches in your stuff and i love that sound right now but as from you know like we talked about the history of, of the rave music scene what is your stab that almost gives you that kind of warm that sound that gives you that warm feeling the one the one for me which is my, my favorite out of the many many stabs 
is probably the T99 Anastasia Choir stab. The reason I love that one so much is because it's so aggressive and so dramatic and so extreme, but also got so much vibe and, and like character in that stab as well. You know, so yeah. that's why it's it's one of my favorite ones because it embodies like the aggression, the sort of melodrama, but also the just the the, the sort of gritty vibe of. of it, it's almost like tension in a stab, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, it really, really is because of the kind of chord that 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 it is. You know, um, that's it's honestly for me that's probably one of the best ever just sounds ever created. Yeah. You know, <laughs> really, really I use it a lot as well. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, as a, as a layer, so a bit more subtly, so it's not quite yeah. as obvious. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, fuck, yeah, yeah, right. It's a cracking sound. It's, yeah, and I wish I could use it in more of, of my stuff. I mean, I've I've used it recently, literally just as a to to add some drama, to add some width to the stabs. You know, so you got a nice stab coming in, and it's yeah. like, and then you add that over the top with like a little bit of reverb and you pull it down in the mix and it just adds another depth to that that yeah, stab, which is cool. quite aggressive anyway um i've been listening to a lot of lords of acid stuff recently okay you know so so from back in the day so let me uh let me just sort of show you because this is one of my favorite stab sounds and it's more of a bassy sort of sound um but let me just drop the clip in the uh in the in the thing hold on is it working is it not working there we go so let me drop that in and you can hear what i mean so it's almost like a re-space type yeah yeah like distortion on the on the on the bottom end um and for me it's just like that kind of that sums up the like the 91 92 kind of aggression that they were trying to get back then that's that's definitely you'd hear that a lot in the kind of 91 tracks that there were a bit you know more like like rave rave as opposed to like the sort of breakbeat hardcore stuff that was coming yeah yeah, yeah. Or in like sort of 92 yeah you definitely hear that sort of 90 90 91 um a bit of that be- kind of before Belgium, before, like, um, you know? before seduction ruined it you mean <laughs> <laughs> So I, I made a tune that was very similar to that clip you just played then. Uh, it's on my Kin Cosmic EP, that's up there. Um, available now on Night Force, yeah? Well, it's been available for the last couple of years on Night Force, but you not, can still, not, still not buy one of the remaining two copies. <laughs> yeah, a tune called um, Our Time, it samples the Goonies. But yeah, that has a very, very similar uh, breakdown to, to that. One of the tunes, I don't know if it was that one or a different one on the EP, but that was actually on, you know, the All the Rave series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was on the All the Rave 1991. I don't know if you know yeah. much about that Spyro. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I saw. I did see them. Are, are they um, quite extensive EPs? Are they not? Of different there's kinds of four-track vinyl EP, but there's a, a CD that comes with it. Ah, uh, yeah. It's like twelve unmixed tracks, but they're all done in the style of a certain year. There are some actual old-school ones as well but most of it is um what we've done now in the old style uh-huh. yeah for real for real i think well me and paul talk a lot off the air uh, um about you know what we're going to be trying what we're going to be doing yeah. and i think what we've both i th- and i'm not going to speak for paul because he's there um but for me certainly i i've really enjoyed trying different styles of music this year when i've had the time to do it because you know, I've tried. We've got a UK hardcore style release coming out on KFA soon. 
Um, we, I've done some old school stuff. I do my my standard breakbeat 175 breakbeat hardcore piano-y stuff. You know, um, I've done faster stuff for Dave's Skywalker's Endor label. You know, proper yeah. banging sort of 185, 190 BPM stuff. Um, and for me, it's actually been an educational year where I've taken a challenge and I've gone through kind of like I don't know, like like wanting to write that style of music so i've actually dissected that style of music and and put it through myself hard house is another one yeah, you know, yeah. um i'm gonna do some speed based stuff soon as well you know just see how that turns out but yeah, what about you paul is that similar for you exactly the same i mean four or five years ago i wouldn't have dreamed of doing a track at 140 beats per minute it just i just wouldn't have happened i was making uk hardcore and trying to make happy hardcore just exclusively but like I say, the last few years, while well, we're doing all the slower stuff and indeed the faster stuff, I mean, you've heard, like, obviously, um, Man From Maggoty remix we did, and yeah, yeah, yeah. some of the faster techno ones, me, uh, Eurovision remix. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I sent you a drum and bass one, I've done the Hard House. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, all these different styles, <laughs> and you're always learning things, and the way you learn these different types of music is by listening to these different types of music. Yeah. So even yeah. just doing that, you're learning stuff. So, so you know, Arps' question about the, the the stab sound. I mean, I think every type of music that we talk about um, on on the podcast and with our guests, you know, and it's good to get a cross section of guests from different parts of the scene. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that there's a very kind of um, core set of sounds that we all use because. You know, whatever style we're doing, we always try and make it our own sort of thing. And there's no denying our influences, is there? Yeah, yeah, for real, for real. So, Paul, yeah, go. Yeah, um, I've lost it now. This is another one from our friend Mark Langham. Have you ever listened to any sets from Dreamscape 20? Um, when was Dreamscape 20? About 95, nine, I think. Five. Um, quite. Possibly, although to be honest, when I listen to sets from that era, it tends to probably be how to scout a set as well. I may well have heard sets from Dreamscape 20 and um, not remembered it. What, right. what's, Lang- what's Langham, uh, you know, what's, what's he angling for on that question? Well, I, I think he's just referencing himself because it's a little known fact that Langham went to Dreamscape 20. Uh, I think he's only mentioned it once ever. <laughs> in the last five minutes <laughs> got another one from uh, William well Cyrax as most people know him okay. oh yeah yeah does jet fuel melt steel beams um um I'm gonna say no sorry Ooh. sorry to all the conspiracy theorists out there I'm probably gonna say no what's what's the what's the worst most ridiculous conspiracy theory you've heard in the last sort of nine months Oh, man, don't even get me started. Um, yes, well, too many. I, I've got a very good friend of mine who's completely into conspiracy theories. Um, to, to, to be honest with you, amongst all the most ridiculous mad things I've heard this year, for me, the most ridiculous one is that 5G is causing coronavirus. Now, yes. the reason is that, you know, say what you like, like I don't think this government's trustworthy rah, 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 whatever, there's a lot of corruption in the world, rah, 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 whatever, we know this. And there's certainly things that, even if you don't believe in the conspiracy, I can completely see where people's slightly paranoid thinking is coming from, right? 
However, some of the dumbest shit that I've seen is saying that 5G is causing a virus. And some of the memes and like stupid little fake infographics I've seen, like, you know, 5G is not a virus, it's caused by... I'm sorry, coronavirus is not a virus, it's caused by 5G and it will get excreted through your lungs and just the most ridiculous, like, don't get me wrong, I did science at GCSE level, that is as far as my scientific knowledge goes and I've forgotten probably all of it, however, I know for a fact that some of this stuff being shared on social media is doesn't you don't need to be a scientist to know it's absolute utter bollocks you just need to be an intelligent human to know and people believe it the ones i like is where they add up how many letters are in a particular word or whatever yeah and you know <laughs> as if the secret as if the government are putting secret messages in yeah, yeah co- covid is the like uh, yeah, fuck so, off. the id is like identification and like we're gonna yeah. get all fucking secret bill gates is putting plants in our head and shit like that i mean fuck, yeah. what the fuck it's just not even like the scientifically or right. triangles with eyes in them yeah <laughs> but I, like that. I, see, I, I actually find that things like the illuminati quite um quite yeah, interesting, mysterious but, and interesting yeah but those, those old school conspiracy theories almost feel like quaint and like sort of very benign you know compared to the stuff that's been going around this year you know i remember when i was at uni loads of people went to the illuminati and new world order you know and then all all that now i fucking wish we were into that stuff now you know two years it's it's got worse you've got people taking pictures of the sky and making negative images of all the clouds and going oh look there's all these fucking alien I could just imagine Spyro walking around uni going, how quaint, how quaint, how benign. <laughs> how quaint. <laughs> how quaint. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, so that, that segues us nicely into DJ Demo. Ah. What was he got a question? No. He's, he's got all a, the answers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't care. I'm buying your Mind 98 on vinyl when it comes out. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, God, yeah, I love that song. If if I have to give him money to get it, so be it. Mate. I know. Well, well, I can't steal it from him. I don't think I know the 98 bit. I think I only know the original from 97, I think. You might know the Slipmat remix. The original is absolute shite. It was never even released. But the 98 one, to break beat, it's a proper moody... Okay. Hardcore one. It was on um, Get Smashed. I don't remember those albums. Get Smashed. Is that the ones with the fucking the the mashed potato? Yeah, yeah, that's a Dream Skip album as well. The first one's right regular kick drum up hardcore, but the second disc is entirely breakbeat. And there was only demo and Slipmat and a couple of others at the time doing it, but it's it's really really good. I didn't yeah. like it at the time. I hated it at the time, but now I love it. Well, okay. demo had a, that period at the end of the nineties where. He was doing some breakbeat stuff again, wasn't he? When that was completely yeah, well, that's that's exactly, that's what we're talking about now. Yeah. Like yeah. him and Ham and, and a few other people who were doing it earlier started doing it again. Then it didn't really take off all that much, unfortunately. We couldn't talk about conspiracy theories without bringing demo in. You know, I, I've um, I, I just find it shocking that somebody that complains about social media so much has so many accounts on it you know um and that's for me it's just like um you know you, you, I, I don't trust somebody that says this is shit and then still does it do you, do you get what i mean 
you know it's like because it's a thing because it, and he, uh, he he added me under one of his um fake aliases the other day and sent me a video on how the banking system's all corrupt so i just blocked him straight away you know i was just like fucking what what's kind of interesting is that how widely conspiracy theories have taken off this year you know back like i said before like when i was at uni it was a few of the kids that have probably done a bit too much acid and smoked a bit too much weed were really <laughs> really into it you know and everyone else was like sort of you write them off couldn't you, you go know? it's just having a laugh like, that, yeah that yeah, yeah, guy. yeah but now there's people who are right-minded and sensible and down to earth and all of a sudden it's like something snapped in it and they just believe utter bollocks i think the thing is i've i've been not to get too deep and philosophical here but um i've been reading quite a lot about like postmodernism lately and, and learning about um that philosophy and it's actually really amazing how much it really underpins like our, our society at the moment but one of the yeah. big things which um the postmodernists kind of predicted in a way was that how in postmodern society which is very much now we're all living in our own like basically separate universes there's no like shared reality of truth and like like a universal things which people believe in anymore you know yeah, and yeah. i mean they were writing about this in in the 60s which you know they were basically describing like this kind of newish phenomenon but obviously fast forward fucking what 50 60 70 years like you really really do see how what they were speaking about um has very very much come true like you know nobody's believing the same thing and but we see this at every level of society you see it on our level just the normal people you know you see some people believe in conspiracy theories some people don't you know some people believe the, the government line some people don't but then you see it all the way up to the highest levels you know donald trump's a great example you know we're very much living in a place where objective truth doesn't really matter you know and yeah people can basically believe almost what they want to believe and they're personal experience of believing that is almost all the evidence that you actually need you know what yeah. I'm saying? yeah facts and evidence don't actually mean a thing yeah well, for me if they witnessed it they'd find an excuse for it not being real yeah. yeah on a serious note it's about influence i think today it's not about um you know factual stuff it's about influence and how much because you, you can get paid a load of money now by streaming your games on youtube and becoming an influencer do you know what i mean and it's the whole the whole makeup of society has changed maybe again just maybe i'm just a fucking old fart but you know i can see it because my kids what are people doing... who are playing games influencing that they're going to get paid money for well you get paid a shit ton of money on things like twitch if you the more followers you've got and the more subscribers you've got so they they show they get good at a game and then they stream their games and everybody goes oh yeah this guy's really great let's watch his next stream and that and because it's all about aspiring to be them I mean, to, to be honest, I, th I think I think the, the thing is that because we have so much media available to us at the moment, that we can all live in our own little bubbles where we only see what we what we're into and what we like, you know. Like, so yeah. say if you are into gaming and you follow all these gamers on Twitch, then that's all you see, and you can live in a in a reality where all you see is just Twitch gamers, you know? But if, say, for example, you're in the rave scene, and, you know, you follow all the big rave DJs, and you listen to rave music, and, you know, maybe you know about the history of that music, but those two worlds are totally different, and there's absolutely yeah, yeah. nothing in common whatsoever 
with those two worlds, you know. But it's the same, you know, like my friend who's really, really into conspiracy theories. He spends all his time reading like Infowars and other various conspiracy sites. I, I don't know what they are, you know, but that's that's his reality. And but and also to compound this even more is the nature of social media algorithms. They show you content which is more likely to be relevant to you based on the content which you've shown the algorithm you already like. So if you're really into conspiracy theories or into gaming or into old school rave music or whatever it is, the, your Facebook or your Instagram will show you more stuff like that. So it is yeah, yeah. possible to live in your own personal echo chamber of information that is only relevant to you. You know, contrast this with, say, being in the 70s when there were like maybe four TV channels. There was like Radio 1 and maybe your local fucking talk radio station. You would go to like HMV or maybe a few independent shops and you'll buy your music and then you'll see films on, on the big cinema and maybe occasionally on your TV. Like everyone had the same reference point. So you yeah. could reality anymore you know where now because we've got so many different streams of media whatever we end up getting involved in it's possible to live in that world 24 7 so no wonder there's all, all this splintering of like perspectives and things that people believe you know what well, i think yeah, yeah. you know i don't see there's necessarily a problem with that in itself but obviously when it comes to serious issues such as conspiracy theories and when that starts having you know real world effects such as people cutting down telephone masks or deciding not to have a vaccine and potentially perpetuating an extremely dangerous virus then you know when it has these real world consequences that's when we do have to be a little bit aware you know what I'm yeah saying? yeah mm. yeah i do i, I think I've, i'm just thinking about um what you're saying about we all live in our own sort of our own reality if you like and I, i'm just wondering whether that's why paul gets all these penis enlargement emails through just <laughs> What, what, what are you saying, Paul? You, you, well, they all say forwarded from Steve Fearbold for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, the next question. I've got one here, Paul. I know okay. you've got... Oh, do you want to get through the the, the the more of the silly ones? Let's get them out of the way. Well, well, I'll ask one of the more serious ones of the silly ones. This is from Clive Stone, otherwise known as Entity. Yeah. Got a new album out. Um, ask him, does he ever get mistaken for Sideshow Bob when out in public? Um, I think that's I to Spyro. However, <laughs> um, I don't. However, one time I was DJing at some venue, not a hardcore venue, some other kind of venue, and some woman came up to me, and obviously I had no clue about SoundCloud rap or what current American rappers look like. Who I may or may not take inspiration from. Um, and <laughs> anyway, she came up to me and said, "You look like Sideshow Bob. You do." I was like, cheers, darling. <laughs> Hold on. So you did get mistaken for Sideshow Bob? I don't think I was completely mistaken, but I was certainly... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You did get mistaken, because obviously he's a cartoon. Somewhat like Sideshow Bob, you feel me? <laughs> Have you ever stepped on a wreck and went... So, yeah, so Entity, that's... Uh, he has kind of been um mistaken for sideshow bob you know so yeah i, I think that's a, that's a good answer to the question who else oh paul's taking a drink so i'll switch over to me okay so i have a uh, a question here from the beautiful and lovely dj scar okay and she says uh we were lucky to party at the rave last uh before lockdown the, the last rave before lockdown 
Um, how did you feel performing in front of the Bang Face Weekender crew, seeing they are quite a diverse crowd? Honestly, that show was one of the favourite shows, probably the favourite show I've ever done in the UK. Um, because it was such a diverse crowd, you know, like Bandface was honestly mind blowing to me. That was the first time I've ever been there, and there were so many different kinds of people, you know, and it really made for just such a unique vibe and such an amazing party. Like, every single person there was up for having an amazing time, and there was such good vibes and such a different mix of people. And like to be honest, obviously, you know, I'm way too young to be around in the early nineties, but. There were many times where I was there at Bandface and I was feeling like, I'm sure I'm, I must be feeling a bit of what that vibe in the early 90s must have been like because there's, yeah, there was yeah. no snobbery of musical kinds, you know. There was no like people looking down at anyone. Everyone was up for a good time and no one was rough or chavvy or a dickhead in any way. Everyone was fucked as possible. Everyone was super friendly. Everyone had interesting stories to tell. Uh, and it was just such an amazing experience, you know. And it, the set itself, you know, I was kind of somewhat apprehensive to start with because, you know, have, never having been to Bandface before, I was thinking, oh, is there really going to be that many people there at 5 a.m.? But obviously, you come to 5 a.m. on Saturday in, in the, the, the the room, and I was like, bro, like, this is like as busy as like 1 yeah, yeah. a.m. They, they don't give up. No, they really, really don't give up. And it was completely rammed. And it wasn't one of those dead five in the morning. I've done too much cat crowds just standing around. You know, everyone was still coming through with their energy. And it was such a such a hype, you know. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Bang Face is my favourite rave ever, you know. Real. Um, okay, so um, I'm going to move into a few questions now from the amazing Dave Skywalker. Hey, okay, okay. Yeah, okay, so... Um, his first question, and he's sent me five questions, six questions for you. All right. So the first one is, um, now he sent me an edit on this one, so let me get it right. Uh, why might someone think, okay, so why might someone think hardcore at UK hardcore events is dead, whereas hardcore at non-hardcore raves does really well? Very, very good question. I think... One of the things about the purest UK hardcore scene is that it's a quite a, it's very limited in many ways. I feel even though hardcore has evolved and changed a lot over the years, um, but I feel there hasn't really been that much acceptance of the changes, particularly in the last 10 years or so by the core purest UK hardcore audience. I'll tell you a little story. Um, okay. A little while ago, maybe two or three years ago, um, a big promoter, a very big promoter of a big event in the UK, phoned me up yeah. to ask me about what I thought about, you know, where the UK hardcore scene was going and, you know, what's, what's going to happen, you know? And I said to him, look, bro, like, honestly, I feel like the future is bringing through new artists with more modern influences in their sound. I said, I feel like MCs is an old thing and they're on their way out. And I feel that's, you know, that's one of the contributing factors to new people not getting into the music. And I said, look, if people keep doing what they're doing, it will just keep, it's a safe option and it will keep attracting the same people to the race, but slowly that's going to dwindle. So I said, yeah. you can take that route or you can take the route where 
you, it may seem more risky to start with, but ultimately it's going to grow into much bigger and better things um, in the long term. Yeah. Now, it was an interesting conversation to have that with that certain person. Um, but as things turned out, it looks like he probably didn't listen to what I had to say. <laughs> all, you know, this is this is the way. If he's a businessman, he just wants what's happening now to rake in the most coin. Yeah, but then there's no there's no reason to not put a second room with a bit of diversity in. Couldn't agree more. No, I'm all for mixed genre rooms myself. I mean, but to be honest with you, like I don't really associate myself with what's left of the UK hardcore scene. I just make music that is maybe like hardcore sometimes, and maybe like other types of music sometimes, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I just make hard music and fast, energetic, mm. hype, rave music. You feel me? Uh, yeah. And you know, if people want to book me from whatever scene they happen to be in, then that's great. You know. Yeah, what I'm all saying? good, man. You know. And how- um, and how could people book you? If you want to book me, just hit me up. Just hit me up on, on my Instagram or my Facebook or just wherever. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, I deal with all my own bookings at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's how we do it. Cool, man. Um, okay, so Dave's second question. Um, in your opinion, it's very simple, this one, yes or no. Is In your opinion, is hardcore dead? Yes. Wow. Um, I would say hardcore, as in like the UK hardcore like the core purest UK hardcore scene, it is dead. I'll tell you why it's dead. It's because I don't consider a scene that it has dwindling numbers, nobody new or young getting into it, and the vast majority of the events are classics events. And I don't really call this the UK hardcore scene at all. It's like, I, I guess you could call it the alternative rave scene, um, but, you know, things like Bang Face, things yeah. like what Mandy Dextrous, so big shout out to Mandy Dextrous, you know, what she's doing with her events is super exciting. And obviously, you know, what the sort of associated, like, type artists and scenes sort of close to those things are, you know, obviously what you guys are doing and obviously Chris Howell with Night Force, you know. Yeah. So really big shout out to um, Planet Fun. But shout out to Peggy Vianetta and Finger Blast and all their associated artists because that scene again is like a super cool, super thriving, super inventive, open-minded kind of scene. You know, with all a kind of like ironic donk and like the yeah. kind of strange mashups and like kind of it's, silly, kind of irrelevant, irreverent kind of vibe. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I it's think all, it's almost thought- like a um, it's almost like a, a, an evolution of what we've got now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah for, sure, for sure, for sure, you know. So I think there's a lot of hope and I think all the stuff which I just mentioned, you know, yourselves included, what all these other various scenes are doing is really, really exciting. But like the purest UK hardcore scene is, I, I think it's fair to say, is dead, you know. Fair, fair. Okay, cool. Paul, have you got any views on that, mate? Or I don't know, because I don't follow the UK hardcore scene as much as I used to. It's mostly the stuff on... Uh, KFA yeah. and obviously Hardcore Underground that sort of thing so I know it is still going and you look at the American scene and you see the videos but obviously they have mixed genre events as well so I don't really know too much about purist like you could say UK Hardcore stuff well yeah. UK, UK Hardcore seems to be bigger in America than it does in the UK well I was thinking a few minutes ago when we were talking about it then you see like I say you see all the videos and there's these packed rooms and arenas but then I don't know if these are entire nights of UK hardcore or. Ju- I've played quite a few raves in in the states in the last few years, and they're always amazing. Like the crowds always are hype, 
you know, particularly in San Francisco, yo, big shout out to the So Stoke gang. So big shout yeah. out to Pete and Trico. Those, like, that's my favourite event ever to play. So Stoke in San Francisco is my favourite, number one, hands down favourite event. So, so lower, Lowercase was saying that he played that last year and he said that was absolutely his favourite event to play at as well. Because it's amazing. Like the crowd there is on such a different level of hype. But the, the thing is, again, then they're not purest UK hardcore events. Like they're mixed genre events, you know. The last one that I played last year, um, the night started off in free form. Then there was um, some guys doing like dubstep and EDM type stuff. Then there was um, a trance set. Then there was me doing my thing. Then there's yeah. Little Texas who does like kind of 90s Gabba. With like modern EDM production, he's really really popping at the moment. Um, and then maybe some more hardcore or something at the end, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah. like there's but again in America, these kind of events, there's they're underground rave scene events, but in, in the US, they don't they see all the underground genres as kind of like one thing, so they include like hardcore and you know like various kinds of rave music and might yeah. include old school and you know other things but then you know they still include that like, drum and bass in that which you know we in the uk would see that as a totally separate completely utterly separate thing yeah, you know? yeah. but when i was at bang face again that really reminded me of the vibe i got when i was at one of these big american events you know it was that non-purist vibe Everyone's quite young, everyone's hype, and everyone's up for a wide variety of music, you know? Yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. That's the future. He's party people up for the, the good music rather than a specific style of music all night. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I think they, they, you go for the experience, don't you, rather than... You go for the music, but you go for the experience of, you know... Excuse me for, like, duplicating myself, but you go for the experience of experiencing that level of diversity. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, you know, you, you chat to people over there... And, you know, one person will have UK hardcore as their favourite thing. You know, you chat someone else, they'll love drum bass. Chat someone else, they'll love I don't know something really random like like anime, like glitchcore or something. You know, <laughs> but the point is that like you know, people into those things will generally be into a, a wide spectrum of yeah, those yeah. kinds of musics. You know, yeah. yeah. Cool, open-minded to it at the very least yeah, um, yeah. so yeah that uh, that's a nice segue there we're talking about playing in other countries um we do we make sure we put one segue in every single time we do a podcast and dave's next question is which uh, which do you prefer to play the uk america canada europe or elsewhere where do you prefer to play nice segue <laughs> well Thanks, to be honest um until Bangface, it was definitely america but after yeah. doing Bandface, um, I'm definitely looking forward to doing more gigs of that kind in England, you know. Um, Dave also wants to know, how important do you think your image is in pushing yourself as a musician? I mean, you're known for your pink hair, saying bitch a lot. Um, does you feel that having a style is as important or more so than the music? So is it more important than the music? I think at the moment, your branding and your image is as important as the music. I think the branding and your image can help get people's attention and, you know, doing silly shit like a video pretending to be homeless or pretending yeah. to be a northerner or whatever, you know. That <laughs> I'm not sorry, doesn't pretend. <laughs> it doesn't pretend, man. It's a curse. It it's, all a out. <laughs> it's a cross he has to bear every fucking day. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah I, I think that, 
I think that kind of stuff um, can really help to get people's attention. Um, but ultimately, if the music is shit, then people aren't going to care about you, you know? So yeah, I think yeah. it's really important if you want a career as an artist in this era, you need to have both and you need to spend a lot of time on both, you know? You need to have the great music that will be there, but you also need the branding to stand out amongst all the other people making it. Because the thing is, I'm not the only person making great music. There's so many people making great yeah. music. Like we discussed earlier, the resources available to make music are more now than they ever have been. Not only the, the software and the laptops and the, the things like that, but you know, you can go on yeah. YouTube and find a million tutorials of the sound you want to make or the thing you want to do within a, a five seconds. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas yeah. it's not secret knowledge anymore. You know, so you need something that will make you stand out for everybody else and really make you unique. You know? But this is the same in any market. In any market that's saturated, it's a branding that can really help you stand out and cut through all the noise. Yeah. Dave Skywalker, this is two two quick fire questions. He wants to know what synths you use to make your unique sound. Um, the one I use the most is Exfer Serum. So yep. I absolutely love Serum. It's my favorite synth ever of all time. It's unbelievably deep. So you can make sounds that sound great really quickly, but you can also go extremely deep in ways. You can go so deep that I'm still learning things every day. Yeah, about. Yeah. And the last one from Dave, because I think, you know, with all the rubbishy, non-serious questions we've got, Dave's been um, really good with coming through with some stuff. So dead easy for this last one. What's your favourite year of music? Uh, I have a very, very specific answer to this indeed. My favourite period of music is late 92 into early 93. I think that period of Brady Hardcore, just when it was going into its dark phase, but not hadn't gone completely, completely dark side yet, was go, just going into jungle, but hadn't gone completely jungle yet. I feel for me, that's when some of the most mad, crazy, creative, exciting and deranged... The BPM had increased just enough. Yeah. But it hasn't gone totally dark yet. Yeah, but it was going dark. But the thing is, you've got yeah. all these different threads, you know? And it's that music was absolutely insane, insane music, you know? You've got like, the ragger thing coming in, you've got the darkness and the scariness coming in, but you've still got the rave stabs and, and uh, the sort of hype elements. You've got the breakbeat starting to get sliced up and you've got time stretching starting to come in. It's such an exciting time for rave music. Do you have a favourite tune from that era? Um, that's that's it. I know you probably don't because that's impossible. Um, like what, what? Definitely. Um, like maybe you know Terminator or Menace. I think are definitely some of my favorite by Rufus Crew. Um, also all the early Red Alert and Mike Slammer stuff. Like particularly the D4CP is one of my all-time, all-time favorites. Um, and then also um, Chrome Time the Slammer from '93. Do, do you not think that's possibly my number one favorite tune? Yeah, I play every think Man- week. The Slammer, Manic, yeah. Manic Stampede is a better tune than what the Slammer. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I, I think they're equally good. I feel, but for me personally, the Slammer is, is my favorite, favorite, favorite. Tune. So, so let's let's play one of those now. What do you want me to play? Do you want me to play the Slammer now? Yeah, let's play the Slammer. All right, let's play the Slammer. It's an absolute classic. This is the Slammer by Chrome and Time. It's chosen by Spyro.
from for the core recordings uh, who was a guest on our first podcast says i don't know anything about spyro so my question is this hi spyro tell us about yourself <laughs> uh, okay i'll sum up very quickly hi q from for the core um basically my name is spyro i make music that's a bit like uk hardcore but also has a lot of influences from edm and modern gothic hip-hop and sometimes oh, some oh, old type on. things like stabs. Modern gothic hip-hop. Hip-hop. What's that? Is that where you do hip-hop but you're dressed in black? In a castle. And you put eyeliner on. Bro, bro. So there's a certain sound of hip-hop by artists like Travis Scott, which is like like dramatic, dark, very gothic kind of vibes. Um, my, my, my son, right, he's 21. Yeah. He's writing hip-hop right now. And one of his biggest influences is Travis Scott. Yeah, he, he, he's one of my favourite artists of all time. He's, he's a big influence on a lot of my stuff. A lot of the stuff hasn't actually come out yet, um, but it's going to come out in the next um, um, few months. Um, but that's been a big, big part of the stuff that I'm writing at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really, really rate Travis Scott. So yeah, shout out him. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I like him in the Silly Bang adverts. Brilliant. <laughs> Barry's conference. <laughs> So Hi, Barry Scott. <laughs> and the dirt was gone. What would be? What would music be without a bit of dirt? Let's be fair. True. You know. Oh, come on. This is not even a real name, is it? This is from Columbo Van Sniffer de Beek. <laughs> <laughs> Carl Rogan. <laughs> All right. Can you ask him what your favourite Toto song is? Is it Africa or Hold the Line? Well. As people may know, I fucking hate Africa, so it must be Hold the Line. But to be honest, I've never even heard Hold the Line. I only know Africa. If you've heard my first album that came out, I had a tune on there called The Line that samples Hold the Line. Oh, okay. Why do you hate Africa? It's a fucking tune. (sighs) Bro, I can't stand that tune. Sorry. I'm sorry (laughs) for But, you know, um, the rain's in Africa. I bless them. Bless them, yeah. 
because they didn't sneeze or anything. Uh, okay, so Daniel Levy says. Mm-hmm. I say Levy. Is it Levy? Well, it's not. Well, General well, Levy. General Levy. General Levy. Daniel's got an extra E in his name. It says L E V E Y. So for me, that's Levy. We'll call him D Rod. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so before I ask this question, you've got a bit of a catchphrase thing going on. So what's the, what's the catchphrase? Bitch. <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck's good, bitch? Yeah. What the fuck's good, bitch? Cool. So um, Dan Levy, Levy D Rod says, can you ask him why he thinks his misogynistic catchphrase is appropriate in 2020? <laughs> well, Daniel Levy. Do you know why? Because I don't give a fuck, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That's the best answer ever. To, to That's where like he put that. the animated gif of that guy with glasses and those people spinning around. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I love the fact that you have this, This, you know, every video you do is like, what the fuck's good, bitch? And I love that shit. Because it Dude, just what the fuck's me... And that's I'm why in... Arps started I'm... his questioning with that, innit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm instantly drawn in and it makes me smile every time because it's just like that's that's the catchphrase thing isn't it it's like branding it's back to that branding again isn't it yeah bro real talk I, I just started doing it one day and everyone just responded to us so just kind of carried on doing it really <laughs> yeah fair play to you okay Mark Langham our friend Mark Langham now this is a very serious question from Mark mm. um how many samples did you use from the Vengeance Pack and rename them as your own in your sample pack and sold them to the dumb fuck ravers? Mark Langham, do you, do you know? Do you know how many? I didn't spend many hours on Serum learning how to make snares and claps and kick drums. Do you know? I did. I went to Vengeance One, which, as everyone yeah. knows, is the best possible Vengeance Pack from about 2004. Fuck knows when it is. I went to Vengeance One and I copied all the samples onto my hard drive and I renamed them Aspira Sounds and I sold them to the dumb fuck ravers yeah because so he's asking I know why he's asking that because he bought a sample pack from a, a fairly well known name in the hardcore scene yeah and a lot of those were vengeance not even renamed just like vengeance samples and other such samples from different packs all chucked into this one who, who was that Paul? stand by someone will do that who was that That's Paul? Very bad. I, 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 I'm not allowed to say I could give you a curt answer, but I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we wouldn't want to be curt about it, would we? (laughs) No pun intended. No, no, no. Well, none none taken. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is one. Another one from Mark Langham. Have you ever met a real dragon? No, Mark. (laughs) No, I haven't. Can you can you see how how <laughs> how bad these questions are? Daniel Levey, Le- I'm going to call him. Um, you know your pink hair that you had. Yeah. Was it real or was it? Sorry, was it real and dyed or was it extensions? No, it's, it's fake. It's like fake plastic hair that gets braided into my actual hair. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, I didn't grow enough hair to do that style convincingly. So you, you've kind of gone like um, Sid Vicious type punk sort of look now. Now, yeah, a little bit. So basically, it was lockdown, and I was cutting my own hair because I had to. And yeah. Then, see, every few months you need to take the pink hair out and redo it because obviously your, your actual hair grows. So yeah, yeah. I took them out. But what I'd, what had happened? 
I realised when cutting my own hair, I'd like probably cut into like all the hairline and fucked it up. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I'm just gonna sack that style off for a little bit and just do a different style for a bit, um, just while it grows back. So I'm gonna get the pink braids back at some point. But it's good to switch your shit up every now and again. Can, can, I, can I can I just put a, a, an opinion into the pot? Yeah. I I absolutely prefer what you what you're rocking now. <laughs> For real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it looks cool, and I think it like makes you look more edgy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. I mean, to, to be honest, to be honest, I had the pink hair for a long time, um, and now I'm very happy having this hair. So I'll yeah, yeah. for a bit. I'm, you know? I'm happy. You know, I always I don't assimilate you sorry associate you with the pink hair i associate you with the padlock and chain around your neck yeah yeah yeah, yeah. For, real, for real you know um so whatever hair you've got and the padlock and chain actually suits the more kind of dare i say punk look do you know what i mean no 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 yeah it definitely does yeah no it does it it, it goes well with this hair for sure for sure and I, and well, I think if you're going to uh, forget about the pink hairstyle would it offend you if i adopted it or if steve adopted it well, no, no, because I'm going to go back to the pink hair at some point. Yeah, but it'll be ours then. <laughs> so you'd be copying us. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to phone my barber tomorrow and make sure to get the pink hair in tomorrow. <laughs> what I like about your hair now, because it's, it's blonde apart from the bit in the middle, it's like uh, blonde curtains, almost. <laughs> it's like a zombie I like it. I first Resident it. Evil or a 90s boy band, and I fucking love it. I mean, for me, I think it's uh, we should all have our own identity. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and and I think that as as Spyro as the producer and the artist, I think that you've got it right. You have this really um, kind of this sense of anarchy about you, but you've also got this sense of professionalism about you as well. Um, yeah, to, sure, sure. You know, you, you, know, know, you, and, have to, you have to be careful where the line is. You know. Yeah, and I think you've got that line right. You know, it's a balance, isn't it? You know, and, and for me, um, I try to do the whole kind of I'm the nice guy, I'm a good producer, I do this, I do that, yeah. I'll help anybody. But I also do, you know, I, I do get kind of very forthright about my stuff all the time. And I'm like, yeah. I think I deserve more sometimes, and I think I deserve, you know, more bookings or anything like that. But that's just me, you know, that, and for yeah, me yeah. to want to, if I didn't have that fire inside of me, then it wouldn't motivate me to, to be better you get, yeah, get what yeah. I'm saying you know so um, but Spyro as a producer I think we've all kind of realised after listening to this podcast that Spyro as a producer is totally different to Spyro as a person you know Spyro as a person is a very knowledgeable and intelligent um, guy with very forthright views on where he wants to go and how he brands himself and Spyro as a producer has, has got that kind of next level talent if you like to give thank something you. different to the rave scene do you, do you go on saying for sure man thank you thank you thank you a lot it means a lot man it means a lot so before we say goodbye then just give us um give us a tune just play us out with a tune and then uh, we'll 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 ask you for some shouts after this tune and then uh, you know and then we'll we'll call it but um what what uh, what do you want what what shall we play the people out with what do you think anything you want do you want to put some hip hop on do you want to put some not play it um <laughs> that's a good fucking question we'll play out with one of my favourite ever old school tunes let's play D-Force original bad boy because that is one of a really really tune that means a lot to me and it's, it's super close to my heart and that's a tune yeah. that, that I love and that, it's an absolute banger 
mate, absolute fucking fire tune. Um, this is a D-Force original bad boy, and uh, this is the Spyro selection. And this is what it sounds like. That was original Bad Boy uh, by D-Force, and that was Spyro's uh, playout tune. But before we go, um, there's a couple of bits of uh, couple of bits of um, admin we should do. And the first one is Paul. What's your happy hardcore selection of the week? Ah, well, brilliantly. I forgot about know, it again. You? you forgot about it again. So should I just pick a random one? Yeah, I do the number thing. All right, I will do. Sparrow, um, normally every week I pick a happy hardcore song, something okay. stupidly cheesy, just yeah. for the uh, the podcast. So, this week I forgot. So I'm going to pick the one of the last four boxes. Can, can you pick a number between one and four? Um, three. three. Good choice. Now I'll pick a number between one and, I'll guess, 70. Oh, yeah. 49. 49. Right so in box, the bloody middle. <laughs> box three, number 49. So All right, give me a minute. Give me a minute. Okay, so what have we got? We've got Davy Forbes. Davy Forbes. Yeehaw! From Happy Tracks. Okay, and this is what it sounds like. <laughs> okay, so that was that was Davy Forbes and Yeehaw! The, the country and western classic. Um, you know, we're all on our horses and we're all like riding off into the sunset. But finally, Spyro, thank you so much for joining us tonight, mate. We're really You've been absolutely blinded. Thank you guys for having me. It's been dope. I hope it's been some sick conversations. It's been sick. Yep. I've enjoyed it. It's been, it's been hench. Hench. Hench as fuck, bitch. Spyro, before we go, mate, do you want to like give a shout out to anybody? Um, you know, some people that's been influential in your career, or you know, just to say thank you to people. Because I know you've done a lot of streams and stuff over the the lockdown and stuff. But you know, floor's yours, man. You just say what you want. Yo, big shout out to my boy Alex Prospect, long time soldier in the game. Big shout out to my boy Joey Riot. Also, shout out to my boy Weston holding it down in Denver. Shout out once again to the So Stoke Gang, Trico and P Kitty. 
shout out to my boy Dave PSI in Sydney. Um, yeah, big love to every single person that's been following my music. This shit's lit. Got a hell of more shit coming in 2020 and 2021. So stay lit. Sweet man, thank you. And um, you know, go buy the Spyro sample pack. It's fucking awesome. Ooh, I know. It's, it's lit. It's it's it, uh, it's lit, man. It's lit, man. You fucking klaxon. Um, no, yeah, but it is. I, I, I bought it. I've gone through it and trust. If you don't trust what Paul's saying, saying it's lit, then trust what I'm saying. You know, as um, established members of the hardcore scene, it is fucking awesome and it's well worth the money. Um, so pick it up. Go to uh, Spyro's page and Spyro can um, provide you the link just there. Um, but we'd just like to say a huge thank you to Spyro for coming on tonight. And it's been absolutely amazing. We've loved it. We've loved getting to know you a bit better. Um, and do you know what? Best of luck for the future, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having you on the show. It's been dope. It's been dope. Well, that's that. Thank you all for playing. Mother, thank you. My father, thank you. My sister, thank you. This is the end, 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 end.